Hi, I'm Kevin Doolan, Director of Innovation in the Walton Institute, and you're listening to the Innovation Insight Podcast. This podcast is presented by Stephen Barnes, who's part of Walton's TSG Technology Gateway. The podcast is focused around new emerging technologies, such as augmented and virtual reality at the Walton Institute, and it is followed by a Q&A session at the end. Good morning, everybody, and uh, welcome to today's webinar on immersing into AR and VR. Uh, my name is Mark Whelan from Enterprise Ireland. I'm the program manager from the Technology Gateway uh, Network, uh, and I'm your host for today for, for the event. Um, as you might be aware, this is the second in our series of Technology Insights webinars, uh, where we're hoping to provide new insights into new and emerging technologies for people to try and get people to understand a bit better how these may impact you and help you in your businesses. Uh, so today's event is being presented by Stephen Barnes from the Technology Software Systems Group in WIT. And I'm going to hand over to Stephen very shortly. But before I do, uh, I just want to give you a, a quick uh, run through of, of the format of today's event. So we will be videoing the presentation uh, and it will be available afterwards. Um, we'll also record all questions that are asked and we'll send out answers to questions that we might not be able to answer at the time. Uh, Stephen's going to give about 30 minute presentation which would be followed by about 15 minutes Q&A. Uh, if you wish, you can send your questions as we go through it, so we have a we have them ready when, when Stephen is done. Um, and if there are questions, as I said, that aren't answered, we go back to them at the end. So um, just to make sure that we get the best value out of Stephen, I'm going to hand over to him now. Uh, and as I said, uh, I hope you enjoyed today's presentation, and uh, I'll talk to you again uh, once we have the Q&A. Thank you, Stephen. Hi all, can you see me there? Yeah. Yeah. Um, hi, uh, my name is uh, Stephen Barnes. I am with the TSSG Technology Gateway. Um, just I might just turn the webcam off just to go through this presentation, if that's okay. Um, so uh, I have been with uh, I'm an experienced research engineer with the mobile ecosystem and pervasive sensing research unit specializing in AR VR. My background is a bit diverse, including electronic engineering, education, and social care work. I've been with TSSG since 2016, working with working on ARVR projects since that time. So, um, just in terms of um, with the TSSG is part of the Applied IoT uh, Technology Gateway Cluster. In Enterprise Ireland, there's five technology gateways which apply state-of-the-art Internet of Things technologies to new and existing projects, pro uh, processes, and services. This encompasses developing new and innovative approaches to applying sensors, communications, artificial intelligence, machine learning, data analytics, and of course, augmented reality, virtual reality, to solve existing problems as well as develop developing new ideas that will enhance their business. So these gateways include uh, Command in Athlone IT, which specializes in connected media, IMAR in MTU Kerry, with a focus on intelligent mechatronics and RFDI, Nimbus in MTU Cork, which amongst other areas has specialism in embedded computing and software systems, TSSG in Waterford IT, with a focus on mobile services, and WiseR specializing in wireless solutions at Letterkenny IT. So the Telecommunications Software Assistance Group, just to give you an overview, uh, it's an internationally recognized research institute hosted by WIT. Our expertise areas include mobile platforms and services, data analytics and social computing, adaptive networks and services, and augmented and virtual reality. 
over the past three years, uh, we have delivered innovative solutions to over 110 startups in Ireland and have spun out a number of leading international startups such as Feed Henry. So I hope you don't mind, just before we progress, I'm aware that when it comes to these interactive technologies, that uh, there are a lot of terms thrown around such as AR, VR, MR, XR and spatial computing. And even though you're attending this webinar shows an awareness or interest in these terms and what they mean, I hope you don't mind if I just go through the definitions and little example to differentiate between different augmented virtual and mixed realities. XR is an umbrella term for all immersive technologies that merge the real and virtual worlds, like objects and interactions. So it covers everything really. So whether you're playing uh, Pokemon Go on a five-year-old iPhone, or you take part in a high-spec immersive virtual experience of state-of-the-art cave system, it's all XR. Some definitions interpret the term extended reality as referring to how this tech can extend the reality that we experience. However, it's more in line with being a catch-all for current and future uh, spatial computing technologies. So now we're getting down to business. AR is when you start to bring digital elements into your real world view to inform you about specific objects in your environments. So in this case, uh, somebody's using a mobile device, they're looking at the body and they're getting annotated information. So examples of AR devices include modern mobile phones and tablet devices. Mixed reality, this is sometimes, <laughs> to make matters worse, sometimes referred to as hybrid reality. You can think of it as a subcategory of AR though except instead of having 2D information such as text, audio, and video, and images, you actually replace the, replace the object with a 3D model, which you can interact with in real time. Essentially, the virtual object behaves like a physical object. It would remain in place as you move around, or you can manipulate it and move it around the surfaces in your vicinity. So as you can see in this example, somebody's looking at a the ruins of a um, high cross and instead you're seeing a virtual virtual representation of how that cross would have looked before so replacing in their view with a 3d um, image you can use mobile devices but examples of mr devices steer more towards the microsoft hololens and hololens 2 magic leap devices virtual reality this is easily the most well known your entire environment is virtual if you were creating a VR application, you would need to replicate the entire environment as well as the objects of interest. So almost as a summary, I drag up my museum example. As you can see, the reality is in this case, you have this Fabergé egg. It's actually in a glass cabinet. You can look at it, but you can't touch. It looks great, but what do you know about it? Well, using an AR app, you can receive information about this artifact, such as where and when was it created? Who was it created for? All of this information is made easily accessible by multimedia files, which you can view in your device, in your field of view, whilst you're looking at the artifact. Now, if you want to take a closer look at that egg, well, with MR, you now have a 3D virtual representation, which you can scale, rotate, move around the room, take a closer look at it, take an image next to it, whatever you want. You don't even need to be at the museum. With an MR app, which is really uh, useful, especially in the current uh, situation with COVID, you can fire up a virtual version of the egg at home, put it on your coffee table and find out information about it. Now with VR, you definitely do not need to be at the museum. In this case, it's a basic virtual environment in the museum, which could replicate anything really. You could actually have it be, you could see being St. Petersburg back in the late 19th century, seeing uh, Peter Fabergé create the eggs. 
So with that in mind, we'll step back in from the museum and go to TSSG. Our expertise in interactive technologies encompasses AR, VR, middleware software developments, application developments such as creating bespoke applications across specific verticals, including health, manufacturing, AR, VR for education and training, AR, VR for awareness building, and dynamic adaptive content. Our research interests as well, just to make a note of it, is um, it includes visual processing, virtual neural rehabilitation, and understanding how the brain perceives emotions, as well as social cognitions training using AR, VR. We've used a number of uh, devices and we have them at our disposal, including Vive Pro, Quest 2, Pimax, uh, the HoloLens 2, and physiological sensing and eye tracking, depth sensors, and LiDAR sensors. The best way to show us is via this, our MR lab. It's funded by the Enterprise Ireland Institutes of Technology Capital Call 2019. So as you can see in this video, we have a range of technology available to us. This includes two 84-inch 4K touchscreen monitors, cat VR treadmill, uh, RealSense uh, depth sensing cameras, RealSense L515 uh, LiDAR depth cameras, iPads with LiDAR scanners, Microsoft HoloLens 2 MR headsets, Oculus Quest 2 um, headsets, mobile headsets, HTC Vive Pro i, Pimax AK, and as well as uh, People Lab I prototype eye trackers and a Maverick 4K drone. The thing with it is this testbed lab is available for free to qualifying projects through the technology gateway. So it enables you to create a broad variety of applications from high-end commercial immersive VR products to proof of concept AR prototypes from mobile devices. So just to give context to our AR VR work and how our expertise may be of benefit to your business interests, I would like to just to go through a discussion of some case studies. Now this in no way covers the length and breadth of our work, but it does illustrate a wide variety of applications in different areas, some of which might be of interest to you. And in considering these case studies, as well as just AR and VR in general, it's important to understand that AR and VR do not exist as single points, rather they encompass a broad spectrum of devices, contents and technologies. VR and AR experiences can be experienced on different hardware, different levels of fidelity and function. So our work has ranged from design development from very early mobile-based AR prototypes uh, with very few features, all the way through to LiDAR-based high-end VR applications, effectively going from low-cost to high-cost scalability. In terms of design and development, when you talk about features and what, what you want to include with it, as well as the target platforms, the devices that you want to run, and the operating costs. So, and our work with clients has been funded by Enterprise Ireland, Innovation Vouchers, and Innovation Partnerships, as well as contract research and developments. And these case studies, as well as other case studies, are available on the TSSG website here, as well as the Enterprise Ireland Technology Gateway, AIoT page. So we've completed a number of innovation vouchers for a wide variety of companies. And sometimes this has actually been a starting off point for our collaborations. The 5K innovation voucher has been utilized to map out business cases or business potentials that XR technology can have, working through a technology roadmap that captures this and mapping out the path from concept to commercialization. Uh, innovation vouchers have also been used for wireframe prototypes. And in this particular case study, we were, we were approached by a well-established architecture company. 
who were interested in the potential of AR and VR on their business processes. This was different to a lot of the other technology roadmaps as that we had worked on, as it wasn't just one particular use case or area they wanted a solution for. Instead, it was looking at the entirety of their workflow. They weren't sure where AR and VR could prove an impact, and they wanted help both in addressing where it could and how it could, and how feasible it would be and which to include. So examples would be uh, showcasing 3D designs to potential customers, as you can see here, instead of going through a map or a computer simulation, you have a 3D model. People here using Microsoft HoloLens to view it. Uh, this picture doesn't, isn't actually from that particular project, just to let you know. Um, and it's also, you know, another case could be walking through a fully realized life-sized version of the model on a green site and receiving client feedback. Integrating mixed reality with a work schedule is another thing. These, these are all areas that have been used subsequently in different architecture and engineering construction applications. But in this particular case, the technology roadmap was used as a springboard by the client for adoption of AR components into the current practice. We have other uh, technology roadmaps that you may be interested include areas such as sports training and entertainment, capturing live performance as well as others. Now, this is actually an interesting uh, use case where we developed a education platform and it was where we worked with a client from concepts to design to implementation of the prototype. So it actually did start with working with them, even though it was CRD, it was working on the concept and coming up with a technology roadmap indicating how it could be interpreted, what type of technology to use, and also putting in a path for how we're going to get this proof of concept prototype and where it would be extensible, how it could be taken to a commercialized package. And um, one of the benefits for VR, just, just so you know as well, in terms of training or education platforms, is that the choices individuals make in VR, they're more reflective of the choices that they make in the real world. Also within VR, you can receive a quantitative measurement as an administrator, you can receive an information regarding how a user is behaving and performing. You're able to determine what they interact with, what they're looking at and for how long. From this, you can extrapolate your decision-making process. And also, like users in VR environments, it's a distraction-free environment. It's tailored to visual and kinesthetic learning styles. So in this case, which is for uh, second-level students, it wasn't it was replacing essentially an aptitude test where it was a uh, pen and paper methodologies with something that actually engages the user a bit more. Our coronavirus um, VRS uh, application. This, was, this won the People's Choice Award at the KTI Impact Awards uh, last year. And uh, it's an interactive VR experience that was developed in-house to provide information about COVID-19 and guidelines primarily to children. The basis for it was a recent study conducted by the University of Maryland, which indicated using VR headsets resulted in uh, approximately 8.8% improvement in recall accuracy. So we're really focusing on information retention, engagement, and reassurance. And in this experience, users were able to practice social distancing in a virtual environment, as well as learning hand washing techniques. So just to show you just some of the parts there, we also have a link on YouTube if you'd like to see this. In this particular case, it was giving instructions and then the user had a little gamification where they were actually placing cards to show, okay, this is what you do in terms of different steps for hand washing. So I'll just uh, move on from there now.
And just to show you, this is a recent virtual heritage project that we worked on, and it serves to illustrate the multidisciplinary approach that we take at TSSG. Our client, uh, KLP, they came to us with the view of having either a the view of having an XR application, which would enable visitors to the historical artifacts in Lingon Valley to view them as they would have appeared when they were first created. So in this case, you're looking at a, a megalithic uh, tomb from the Neolithic age. So it's about 5,000 years old. We were able to create a 3D model of it. And in this particular case, we're just placing it on a greenside area. It's part of an AR application. And uh, historical accuracy was an absolute prerequisite for ensuring high quality content. So we do work with third parties. In this case, it was working with an archaeologist and artist, art historian to make sure that the documentation for the prototype as part of any uh, virtual heritage application, you have to ensure documentation, representation, dissemination. So the documentation was really where we went in and they were, the archaeologist and art historian was able to give us information about how the stones, which are not in the same position now, how they would have appeared at that time and how the actual tomb itself would have appeared. This was also the case for high crosses, which date from the ninth century. This here is just an illustration of, again, it's an augmented reality, but it's showcasing the, uh, the solstice effect that you can actually view at the Nakuro Passage tomb up in Lingon on December 21st each year. So we acquired relevant information from the archaeologist and artist, art historian. However, beyond that, at TSSG, we, had a, we have a team that have been working on this project, which comprise 3D modelers, UI UX designers, software developers, and testers. So we had all of the expertise in-house to see this from, from documentation through to representation, creating the 3D models, adding interactivity to it, ensuring that there was a good user interface and that there was robustness as well. And then beyond that, for dissemination. In this case, it was for augmented, it's for mobile devices, so Android and iOS. So just beyond that one, just to show you. And our final case study uh, that I'd like to discuss was just um, a digital twin immersive technology situational training. The idea is VR can be used, as it was in this case, to deliver realistic scenarios without the cost or inconvenience of having to recreate the scenarios through reinventing company resources. So VR learning can be more cost-effective at scale. PricewaterhouseCoopers conducted a global study uh, into the effectiveness of VR for soft skills. But the findings indicate that VR learners are trained up to four times faster than with other methods. VR learners were up to 275% more confident in applying what they learned following their training, which was a marked improvement over classroom learners or e-learners. Also, VR simulations, and this was a really good point, was that they allowed trainees to practice tasks in a realistic manner that could be dangerous for novices to undertake physically. In this particular case, a client required the replication of specific tools in production line to establish training tasks, which had the benefit of not needing to ring fence in-use components on a production line, and there's less need for a supervisor presence. And this is where you can also go, even though within the scope of this particular project, we were very focused on VR and AR via uh, just using, utilizing web VR for people to be able to see under devices replications of the object models. But AR can help with knowledge sharing as well. This is another part um, because it allows for offsite experts to see what their colleagues in the field can see and advising them via video chat, sharing relevant documentation, real-time annotation and content in the user's field of view. 
So just to show you as well, just in terms of the rest, the other uh, partners of the AIoT, you have a command in Athlon IT. As you can see, there's a similarity to the type of work that we're doing in TSSG as with uh, commands in Athlon, where they actually have uh, focus on user-centered design and assessments, and their partnerships are ongoing in the areas such as smart manufacturing, education, and tourism arts, similar to ourselves. They have an XR suite, which involves a cave, and just to let you know, a cave is a collaborative virtual environment um, system. It's real immersive space that's designated there, which includes haptic technology for giving uh, feedback for users' uh, performance and what users are actually doing. It's a real sense of immersion, and uh, they also provide consultancy on bespoke application design and development. There's the WiseR Lab in Letterkenny IT, and um, they provide this just information on one of the projects that they're working on, which is focused on axial spondylarthritis, uh, which is a rheumatic disease causing inflammation, structural changes to the skeleton. They, um, I'm not too uh, knowledgeable on the condition, but one of the things that, that they've actually uh, focused on, which was something that uh, I've seen a, a similar Croatian study on, was the use of uh, VR as a um, for mindfulness training especially i've seen cases where it's actually been used for people who have cancer when they're undergoing uh, leukemia or, or sorry so when they're undergoing uh, chemotherapy and it's, it's still one of the things is that they actually use immersive uh, vr or they use uh, vr headsets to actually give them a sense of mindfulness as part of that it's just a distractive uh, technique and it improves patient engagement while simultaneously collecting granular mobility data for this particular study. And there's the ACE suite in the IMAR uh, Technology Group in uh, the MT Monster Technology uh, University Kerry campus. And uh, they actually have uh, custom built, it's a massive uh, curved screen that they have there, as well as full floor projection. So they provide uh, similar solutions in terms of virtual reality, uh, 360 degree cameras uh, for uh, object capture and they have the HoloLens V2s similar to ourselves also. And then there is the other uh, Monster Technology University campus in Cork, which has Nimbus Technologies Gateway. The, their main domains uh, include energy, water, smart buildings and cities, e-health, e-learning and location-based services. In terms of the XR-based processes, they're very much focused on the extended reality innovation lab that they have and um, which consists of the latest vr ar and mr tech to support and grow innovation uh, as well as services and needs of industry 4.0 the xril covers a range of applications uh, similar to ourselves in terms of learning and simulation training and they have equipment and facilities maintenance as well they have that specialism there just to let you know, in terms of uh, TSSG, uh, for contacting us, our main contact them would be Miguel, our technology gateway manager. We also have uh, Carol and Jim, our business development executives. And just if, if anyone was interested in this type of um, uh, in this type of research, there's a funded PhD opportunity being offered by Waterford IT uh, on education technology and neurodiverse learning. So using educator toolkits to engage neurodiverse students, uh, neurodiversity encompassing uh, autism, dyspraxia, and other conditions. And, and it's to help them train in immersive learning environments in higher education. There's a link there for that. So any questions be on that point there?
So that, that's great, Stephen. Thanks very much, uh, Mark, here again. So um, if you see the pop-out screen from uh, the GoToWebinar, there is uh, an ability there for people to write questions and send them on to us. So i uh, started to see a few come through. So I'll, I'll pass them on, Stephen, and, and you can. So do you deliver commercial solutions, or are you limited to just researching solutions? Oh, no, it's, it's, it's certainly commercial solutions. As, as we were saying uh, before, we um, even with the case studies that we were talking about, uh, it is very much focused on commercialization. Uh, we we work with startups. We also work with SMEs. So we do, um, we we have developed uh, other applications which have been commercialized. So absolutely, if you uh, talk to Miguel as well, that would be our point of contact for any discussion uh, through discussion of that. So as I was um, trying to show just with the case studies. It was, you know, we work with it from concept all the way through to commercialization. So it would be from concept to prototype to uh, then going towards commercialized solution. The um, the KLP application, for example, that's one that I'm just wrapping up at the moment, and that's a commercialized solution which will be available uh, on both the App Store as well as Google Play in the coming month. Okay, so um, I, I suppose a, a, an obvious question. Um, you have all the, the nice equipment Enterprise Ireland bought. So um, are VR and AR apps expensive and all that equipment for small businesses? Um, it, it depends. And, and again, this is uh, not, not trying in any way to dodge the question. It all depends on what you, your use case would be and in terms of what it is you want to do. Because And, and this has been a, a turnoff really in terms of both AR and VR for years has been uh, access and, and in terms of scalability. So. You can work with something from as simple as you could have a, a, a marker-based app where you want to show information about something that you have either in your shop or something that, you know, some product that you have and you want to provide annotated information on it. And it's very, uh, it's quite a, a, a short process to actually create an application which will provide that and will be accessible to anybody uh, with a, a, a modern smartphone or a a tablet device so they would be able to do that so you know and in terms of development time it'd be quite short because essentially you provide an image cover your logo and then this content will be will be generated after the your tablet uh, recognizes this and that that can be like that can be in your entrance and it goes all the way up to uh, when you go to if you want to use things like the HoloLens, uh, which you know you're, you're talking about, oh, this is like a 3,500 euro device, or even like when you, you talk about uh, VR headsets, some people get turned off because they look at things like uh, they hear about the likes of the Valve Index or the uh, uh, Virgo VR3, and you're talking about thousands of euros. Whereas you know even if you want to create a, 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 um, a VR application, you could create one that was just for the likes of the um, the Oculus Quest. So, um, in terms of the equipment, you're talking about 379 euros to buy one. And in terms of uh, the application development, that can be quite shorter. And again, it all depends on what type of features you want. Um, so, if you were saying if you're a small business and you wanted to try uh, try out things like including some AR as part of it, I definitely say, well, look, you know, we, we talked to you, we might even uh, do like a say, for example, an innovation voucher, one of the enterprise run innovation vouchers where we would uh, come up with a technology roadmap and a wireframing of this is the prototype. Uh, it's like a, for 5K and then look to develop a short-term, uh, like a, a marker-based application which can be commercialized then from there. 
And then it can go all the way up to if you are, say, you're part of like a large pharma or you're part of um, a larger organization and you're saying, look, it's very important that we kind of uh, that we get complete uh, digital twin of our process. We want to, to train people in, but we don't want to be taken away from uh, what it is we're trying to do. Uh, you know, we can't turn off part of the production line to train 10 people in. So it'd be like, okay, now we're going more towards uh, using uh, our LiDAR scanners uh, to to basically uh, create a representation of where they are on the floor and exactly what the model is. You get a really detailed mesh from that. You're able to then create your uh, VR application and you might end up using on a high-end device. So it, it can go uh, and you can even have things like a TensorFlow to, for like uh, object recognition as part of that or machine learning processes there, which would cost more money in terms of development, cost more money in terms of operating costs. So it, it, it goes, it's really, it's a case of okay. Okay. one feature. Yeah. Sorry, dude, I, I'll stop you there because we have, we have a lot of good questions coming in. So oh, please, maybe sorry. some quick yes. ones. So yeah. yeah, where does the intellectual property lie in terms of innovation voucher? That, that's with the company. That's because the money is seen as money coming directly from the company. So any IP is with the company. Um, in terms of contacting TSSG initially, telephone or email, maybe I'd suggest email to Miguel if that's okay. Um, so are you doing any research specifically around, I'd say that's health and safety and VR? Safety in VR, uh, not at the moment, no. My own research interests are actually in uh, social cognition training for people with autism. So uh, my colleagues are, uh, one is focused on VR in education for uh, language interpretation and the other is on uh, virtual uh, rehabilitation, uh, neural rehabilitation. So um, not at the moment, but that's not to say this, you know. Okay. We All right. Go there. Um so would Stephen know of any studies that demonstrate how AR can be used to increase motivation, particularly in an education setting? Yes, um, it's, it's, it's more, um, certainly the, the thing with AR is um, like the majority of studies that have been implemented so far is, uh, and has been very much focused on uh, retention and engagements and um, is in VR. And one of the reasons is, you can actually analyze uh, even with eye tracking, like you know exactly where is the person looking when they're doing this, and then testing them afterwards. And their studies have proven there is a market uh, increase in retention rates for AR. It, at the moment, I'm not sure of a particular study on it, but because you're actually when you're talking about AR, you're talking about using more uh, visual. Uh, you can have auditory and you've uh, kinesthetic uh, learning styles are engaged and even with the different multiple intelligences theory like you have uh, you can make things more musical that way uh, so it will even just using the medium itself will engage people more especially children it will tie into their specific learning styles better but uh, in terms of an AR study if, if you could please send on your details I'll send one out to you at the end of tomorrow one that that I've seen, or even the VR ones that I've seen to date, if that helps. Okay, I just remind people that if we don't get an opportunity to answer every question, uh, the, 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 the program generates an Excel sheet of uh, questions that we can answer, and we'll send out uh, with the link to the record of the video later. So, um, very interested in uh, AR. So, the placing of a building on a site, is this already done, or is it worth contacting you about? Oh, it's certainly worth uh, contacting us about. I mean, it's something that, um, and th this is one of the things which, um, it's actually the one of the first things I worked on five years ago was actually placing, uh, from a SketchUp model, placing a building on a site. It wasn't actually done as part of the case study that I mentioned. It was just 
feature that we, we had been looking into. Um, there is in terms of when the Microsoft HoloLens first came out in 2016, I don't mean to be long with it, but just to show you, uh, like a Trimble uh, had actually the first commercialized application on those Trimble SketchUp viewer, which would enable you to do so. And again, this is more a matter of using uh, a mixed reality headset, but it's a subscription service. So in terms of, it all depends, and this is where we uh, come in a lot as well, is if you're wanting to place a building, but you want it to somehow to integrate with your specific back end of what you want to do so that after changes made to the model while you're in the augmented reality application, you want to update, say, BIM information, you want to update um, GIS information, or you want to uh, you want to kind of make changes that will then be integrated in your own software. Uh, that's something that we could definitely investigate. Um, there are a number of uh, applications that are available at the moment that cover parts of these features or cover these features and more, but they're usually part of a, a subscription service that's quite large. So that's where we come in really. Okay, so a follow-on question maybe, but from somebody else. Um, is it possible to integrate, you know, the, 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 from your architecture case study, are there possibilities for integration into BIM, building information modeling systems? Yes, that 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 was that was uh, one of the things that we investigated there, and I, I yeah, yes, yeah, okay. So, have you any experience in implementing conversational AI, artificial intelligence? Um, it's actually uh, mainly through the use of um, we actually have a an open source uh, voice assistant platform, uh, Mycroft, that we've used and uh, have used as part of um, an IoT um, project. Um, using augmented reality and using um, as something that the NHS do at the moment where they actually have augmented reality to allow multiple doctors to view their patients but in our, in our terms you can use augmented reality with uh, with NLP and um, we use Mycroft for that so yes that's that's something that we have uh, we have experience in and we're very interested to speak with you if, uh, if you'd like to pursue it. Okay, um, maybe a very broad one. How do you see mixed reality being applied to industry in the next five to 10 years? Wow. Um, uh, I'll have the time for that. The one thing I will say with mixed reality, and just in especially um, mixed reality as an offshoot of augmented reality, and certainly we've, we've seen a growth in people asking about it at the current time where, you know, you, you aren't actually physically able to, to make visits or have telepresence and mixed reality certainly has that there. I mean, you have at the moment, um, and I'll, I'll make this short, don't worry. Uh, I remember when mixed reality, when we had the HoloLens, uh, the original HoloLens had a 35 degree uh, field of view and the competitors were falling by the wayside essentially. And we weren't sure, it's like, hey, is this too early? Um, and then HoloLens 2 came out as, uh, better field of view is like 54 degrees which you might be thinking oh, it's not much but it's noticeably better and uh with mixed reality you have the magic leap one which you know hasn't fully taken off but i do see certainly um in the next five to ten years you can see mixed reality really becoming uh, especially as we've been talking about things like 40 schedulers everything like that be part of mixed reality spatial computing in general um telepresence for uh conferences uh, I can certainly see that coming across. At the moment, you know, uh, there is accessibility as well in terms of price, where you talk about the HoloLens 2 costs about 3,500 euros, and the nearest competitor, Magic League 1, is 2,300. So I'm not sure, but 
uh, yeah, it's it, it's come on so much in the last, last five years. It's exciting times. Okay, so so maybe again, this is something that Miguel might get back to the the person on. So aside from innovation vouchers, any other route for small startups and entrepreneurs to access the expertise of TSSG and partners? So there, there are obviously other funding mechanisms through Enterprise Ireland, and I think maybe best thing to do there is to, to contact Miguel directly maybe if, if you have something you particularly want to do. Um, you talk about different virtual learning environments. Have you done any work with personalized learning environments adapting artificial intelligence? Um, yes, we've actually had a dynamic adaptive contents uh, based on um, it's, it's, it's one of the things that I think I don't want to give to um, in terms of a uh, footage like this. We've had it based on um, uh, metric says it's based on where you're talking about things such as uh, EEG, ECG, and uh, you also think uh, as well to determine a person's emotional state. So you have a learning environment, and the content is adapted based on all of the information that you have regarding the person's emotional state and how they're actually interacting with um, with content in their in their area. If they're coming to a level of frustration or they're coming to a level of ease, the content is adapted based on that so that's realistically what we've done in that area okay um I, I, this might seem an odd question but I'm, I'm sure it's not um does continuous use of ar or vr make people sick um that's that's something that uh, has uh, ar first of all ar i said you know uh, not with augmented reality or because one one of the there's there's two things really about um virtual reality one is uh, motion sickness which um has come on leaps and bounds because when you think of uh especially vr about five years ago uh one of the things was you're immersed in this uh, virtual environment you're moving through these uh, handheld controllers and sometimes your head will move a certain direction you move the controllers one way so your your actual you, you could even be still and then have the the environment move around you so if you are susceptible to motion sickness, you may actually uh, feel something there. That's improved a great deal now with uh, refresh rate. Say, for example, the Oculus Quest uh, 2, you have a 90 hertz refresh rate. So anything over 60 hertz is good. So that, you know, the environment is, is moving a lot better. Another aspect is uh, cyber sickness, where people, some, some people have felt um, overwhelmed by uh, virtual environments. And this can include, uh, even I remember an example that it was on was uh, The Ledge. I, I don't know if anyone's ever tried that uh, VR game where you have a feeling of you're, you know, you're, you're overwhelmed by the environment and then you're also, uh, you're at a high, uh, you're at a certain height and fall off that height. So it can cause issues there. So I, I'd say if you are uh, susceptible to motion sickness, stay away from VR roller coaster as your first VR experience. and you should be okay, but it has come on a great deal. There was even, a, at one point, there was a discussion of having a virtual nose, uh, which gave people a point that even though if they're moving around, they have this one point that they can look at, but as refresh rates improve, as technologies improve, okay. values improve, yeah. Okay, so have you any experience in hand tracking apps in either AR or VR, i.e. hand interfacing? Yes, um, actually, uh, I, probably get in trouble with my colleagues for not mentioning out. Uh, we, we worked on uh, the VR Globe at Tindall, which won the, uh, this, our software award uh, back in 2017. But beyond that, uh, hand tracking has become part of it, especially with the Oculus Quest. And uh, you have um, mixed reality toolkits. Uh, you have the HoloLens uh, 2 as well. But we, we would have had, uh, in terms of uh, 
hand tracking, uh, you have it all in, so you're able to track all the fingers of a hand in the mixed reality headset in terms of um, the Oculus Quest we have uh, through an Unreal plugin, we have uh, focused on uh, hand tracking uh, in, in uh, virtual reality, which is essentially the Oculus Quest 2. It's a, as I was saying, it's 379 euros. It's all in one. You don't need to be tethered to a high-end piece, uh, high-end machine. So you can run it all um, there. And yes, hand tracking is part of that. Okay. So you just uh, you, another question there that came in. So if people don't have handsets, can you still utilize VR in a web browser? Yes, um, there there is a, for the web browser itself. I mean, you have things like Web VR. Um, the problem problem being, especially uh, if you think with a lot of um, a, a lot of those types of applications, you're really you're looking at the likes of uh, using your your mobile device, and sometimes uh, there can be issues with 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 that. Um, uh, with likes of Web VR based uh, tech, but I'd say even with um, uh, we, we tend not to go towards that. We tend to use more uh, Unreal and Unity, especially like for uh, actually developing applications. They're just more, you get a greater sense of immersion, whether it's with uh, augmented reality or virtual reality applications. And as well, they're more robust because it's a web VR. Um, we've tried it a few times on different projects, still using it on certain projects uh, based on requirements, but it's not as robust as actually just developing an application. And sometimes the application development time is very comparable that I just say, it's good, yeah. Okay, so uh, maybe just one last question there before uh, we, we, we pause for today. So um, if people are starting and wondering where to start, so what, what technology should I use or, for augmented or virtual reality? Um, this is actually tying quite well with uh, the question before about like how expensive is this? Um, it really, I don't want to say horses for courses, but it really depends on what your use case is in terms of, um, as you can see from uh, the short video that I had there showing, showcasing the uh, the heritage um, artifact in in the Greenside area. I mean, you you actually get a sense of immersion from that. It's augmented reality application run on a mobile device. You know, it's run on an iPhone, an iPad, a Samsung Galaxy phone. You know, um, it's you, you can do that. So it, it would all depend on what exactly what exactly is, is your business trying to do. And again, you can go from, if you just want to, tr uh, to try, kind of see how it goes, you can kind of try a very low end augmented reality application for targeted for mobile devices using maybe marker based tracking. If we're saying, look, I want to actually do something that's uh, relevant to something in the real world, I want to use markerless placement of contents or the GPS, then you know you can, can do that. All the way up to where you're saying, look, I want to, uh, I'm getting into industry 4.0. I want to have complete digital twin, um, and I want it to even be a case of if I if I create some changes in a virtual representation of a machine, I want that to be replicated in the real world and have that kind of interface. Like, yes, you know, you can do that. So again, it, it to talk to us and we'll discuss this and uh, kind of work which way. That's lovely. Thank you, Stephen. So I I think that's a a nice place to, to stop for today and to thank Stephen uh, for for the, the excellent presentation and, and all the, the answers to the questions. So um, just before I go, I'd like to remind people that uh, this is a series of webinars and our next webinar will be on the 25th of March and it's on essential technical tools to enable a successful bioeconomy and we present by Shannon ABC. Um, you can see the events listed on technologygateways.ier website 
uh, and there'll be more information sent out and available on the Enterprise Ireland website. But just like to thank everybody today for their attendance. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, as I said, the recording will be available uh, probably late, uh, or sorry, early next week, and we'll send it out to everybody who's registered. So just like to say thank you again, and hopefully see you at another one of our presentations soon. Thank you. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Innovation Insight podcast. Be sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and other podcast streaming services. For more information on the Walton Institute, check out our website at www.waltoninstitute.ie and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn and Twitter. Bye for now.